0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the Better Events podcast. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts. And in today's episode, we're talking all about bartending at events, what every event planner or host should know with Neil Ratliff, our guest. So we're going to get all into the goodness about beverages and perspectives on that through events. So we've learned a lot from this episode, and so we hope that you will too. So let's get into it.
1: Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast.
2: Before we get into this week's episode, we do want to remind you that we're hosting the first ever Better Events Conference this December on Wednesday, December 20th. We're going to hold it virtually so you can join us from anywhere in the world. And we want to see you. We want to meet you. We're going to share knowledge. It's going to be a facilitated conversation and time for you to make for yourself as an event professional. So if you're interested in learning more when tickets go on sale, you want to partner with us or speak please go to our website at bettereventspod.com slash conference. And we are so excited to bring you the first ever conference, folks. But without further ado, Let's get back into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm your co-host, Logan Clements, and I'm joined by fellow co-host Mary Davidson. And this week we are talking all about bartending at events with our guest, Neil Ratcliffe. And we want to save as much possible, as much time as possible for this interview. So we're just gonna jump right in and I'm gonna introduce Neil to all of you listeners. Neil Ratliff started City Cocktails in his one-bedroom apartment in Seattle, Washington in 2016. They have since expanded to Oregon, California, and Idaho, where they execute 400 events a year. Neil, is there anything you want to add to your lovely intro?
1: No, that was enough. I think you can uh, tell by my face we're at about 400 events a year right now. So that was perfect. Thank you.
2: (laughs)
0: Oh, we really appreciate you taking the time. And we'd like to start off with this little like why we asked our guests. And so Logan and I were at a conference, day, I believe it was last year and we saw Neil speak. Uh, it was an event. For event professionals here in seattle and we loved his insights on events and the energy around events from um, the cocktail perspective at that time and so we wanted to bring him on this podcast today to share some tips um, about a great beverage experience for your guests and just making the whole planning process easier for event planners when working with vendors like you and so we're excited for our conversation and with that we kind of like to start basic um with our questions for our guests so we'd love to just learn more about you and your event experience so how did you get started in events
1: yeah that's actually a a fantastic question uh it comes from disappointment um so i moved out to seattle in 2012 uh to do my masters at udub Uh, Go dogs. And um, of course, after I graduated and spent all that money, I sent out probably 500 resumes. I don't think I got a single email back. Um, And while I was doing that, uh, I was working full time as the lead bartender uh, at a place called Blue Acre Seafood downtown, which is uh, unfortunately post pandemic no longer with us. Um, That sounded like they died. They're fine. They're just close. Um, And uh, I was the uh, lead bartender there. And a lot of my clients and regulars were, you know, executives at, uh, I don't know if we should say the company names, but large companies that are based in Seattle, Washington. And uh, I got asked all the time to come bartend like their private parties in their downtown condos and stuff like that. And I would always have to decline because I was going to graduate school and then working full time like during the weekends. Um, So rejection, 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 realizing that I just had a piece of paper that really didn't mean anything. And um, I kind of it. kind. I don't know that there was a single moment, but there was there was just kind of this overarching feeling where, you know, I've been. Working for someone else since I was fifteen years old. Uh, um, and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. i couldn't I couldn't work for somebody else. Um so I, I I looked at the market and I realized that with event bartenders around Washington, it was either you could pay fifteen thousand dollars and get like a bus to come and bartend your wedding. Or it was like a dude on Craigslist that wore jeans and brought solo cups. And there was nothing in the middle. Um, And that's where I decided our lane would be. um, And and it's worked out. I'm no longer in the one-bedroom apartment.
2: We love to hear that. That's such a good origin story. It sounds like you already had a business before you knew you needed a business.
1: Yeah, it just kind of, I just kind of, the first year was a blur and I just kind of woke up and and realized how much work I had put in and that it was paying off so I'm I'm very I'm very happy about it I'm also very tired but I'm very happy about it
2: (laughs) we'll go with the happy over tired but I feel like you can't have one really without the other but uh, we like to also help with our listeners just defining terms so um, we're talking about event bartending but can you explain what is event bartending and like what kind of events do you work
1: yeah, that's a great question. So we do specifically bartending. Um, there are There's a lot of overlap in the uh, event industry. A lot of caterers are starting to offer their own bar services. Some bar services offer things like event staffing or equipment rental. We don't do any of that. Um, and I was actually inspired um, by, I forget his first name. It was definitely a dude, uh, whoever started Heinz catch the, his entire business model and his entire ideology for business was just do one thing really well. They just freaking made catch up. That's all they did. And it's like the best catch up. So um, that was my lane. I didn't want to do anything else. So we provide bar services for um, the majority of our businesses, weddings, but we do a lot of corporate events, um pre-pandemic we had a very large contract for uh experiential marketing uh pop-up bars and things of that nature um we've done it all i've worked parties um i worked a baby shower a couple years ago where it was eight people and only one of them drank so literally the guy just hired me to serve him drinks for a few hours It was fantastic i'll never forget that um all the way up to you know we've done uh, festivals and, you know, we do large Indian weddings of, you know, seven, 800 people. So um, we run the gamut and we specifically stay in that lane of just handling the beverages for any event.
0: That's amazing. And by the way, the founder of Heinz is Henry Hines.
1: That sounds right. <laughs> sounds like sounds a Henry. Right.
0: Event. Right. Yeah. Another very
1: reasonable. Henry's are usually very reasonable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's great to hear. And then also, when you're working with event planners and hosts, what's something that you wish that they knew about bringing on bartending a bartending company?
1: Boy, oh, boy. How much here time we, go. we got? Oh, we got time. Okay, here we go. Um, let me... First off, I didn't get... We launched right into questions. Congratulations on season three. Just so you guys... Yeah, I wanted to say Thank that. You. Thank like you.
2: <laughs> for you guys.
1: Anything that lasts... After starting a business myself, anything that lasts for three years, three seasons, three anything, you're doing something right. So um, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Now let's go into it. I was thinking about this ever since you guys told me I'd be on the podcast. And I think what I have decided, the most important thing that coordinators should do, maybe not know, but do, if you have Netflix, are you ready for this? It's not going to make any sense at first. Watch Trainwreck Woodstock 99. Every single coordinator, planner, anyone who's in charge of events, absolutely must watch this. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense at first. You're going to see a lot of limp biscuit. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it. This might not make sense at first. I've watched it through three times. The first time I watched it for nostalgia. It it happened when I was 15 years old. It was the biggest story of that year, everybody remembers Woodstock 99 and the calamity that it was. And then I went back and watched it a second time. And I realized that as soon as I was watching it a second time, I was watching it from the perspective of an event planner and an event vendor. And it is so, it's such a perfect case study in absolute idiocy of planning any kind of event. And if you start watching this, if you guys go into this from the view of an event planner, you will just cringe from start to finish. And I think the first time you'll cringe is when they're scoping out, you know, it's the guy from the original Woodstock 69, and they were scoping out a place to throw their festival and they chose a military base that was all tarmac. So when you're looking at it from an event planner, you're going, where is the shade? And then it goes into it in the absolute chaos. They had no water. They had no shade. They had no trash vendors. They didn't have a a clear kind of ideology for their food vendors, all of this stuff. And I promise you, uh, if you watch it from the uh, from, uh, the perspective of an event planner, Woodstock train wreck ninety-nine is the absolute best thing that every coordinator should watch. And you will see what not to do. And you'll also get some lip biscuit in the background.
2: I I'm I'm sweating just hearing you say that because I did watch it and I think I was just stressed. Like it was a horror movie if you're an event person. It's just watching horror unfold after unfold. And then it's even like how they dealt with the chaos. And like if you work in PR, you should watch this. Like it, well, Mary, if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend i'll
0: put it on the list for sure absolutely
1: you will cringe immediately they literally show like the shot from the helicopter as they're checking out this place and you're looking at it going that is just pitch black tarmac everywhere what in the world and they threw it in july of course in new york upstate new york And it's just an absolute catastrophe. And it's a perfect case study. If I was a professor or taught some sort of uh, uh, professional class on event planning, uh, I would make everybody watch that before they showed up for the first day. It would be on the syllabus.
2: So good. What else do you have from like your perspective for event bartending? Do you think folks need to know? I feel like we've defined what it is. Are there some best practices for working with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things you want to do now, I have a monthly, what I call a monthly venting session with uh, one of my favorite coordinators. uh, Shout out to Shiloh from the Bubbly Soiree. We have like a monthly venting session where we call each other up. She tells me everything that went wrong uh, during that month. I tell her everything that went wrong during my month and we just get it out of our systems. Uh, We just had that this week. It was wonderful. I highly recommend doing that uh, everyone do that just have a have a venting buddy um and have like a monthly check in and get it off your chest cheaper than therapy and they'll understand it more um one of the things you have to know especially so I'm coming to you from Seattle and I realize that people are listening all over the country all over the world and I'm originally from Orlando Florida so what you have to know the first thing you have to know I think after watching Trainwreck, uh, is the laws. We, Washington and Oregon, are two of the most heavily regulated states. Um, some would call them an nanny state uh, when it comes to alcohol service. You need state permits. There are insurance regulations. Um, we are uh, in uh, Washington and Oregon. The bartender uh, is culpable for things like over service serving minors uh things like that uh like here's a here's an example in the state of washington if someone comes up to you and asks for a drink and they are intoxicated uh clearly showing the signs of intoxication not only uh do you have to deny them which you can obviously do uh discreetly uh you are also obligated to remove their drink uh, which as uh, Just thinking about trying to take the drink out of a grown man's hands in Florida uh, is about as scary as it gets. Alligators are nothing. Try to take a beer out of a grown man's hands in uh, Florida. So uh, the the first thing that coordinators really need to know is that uh, the the state laws um, that apply to alcohol service. Like I tell all of my employees, alcohol is the most powerful drug. Will you overdose more quickly from fentanyl? Probably. Um, But you can't get fentanyl at grocery stores and uh, corner markets and at every single American event that happens. So um, I always remind my employees that we are working with a very, very, very powerful drug causes people to lose inhibitions, causes people to uh, act recklessly, say things they wouldn't normally say, do things they wouldn't normally do, act how they wouldn't normally act. Um, So that's another thing to keep in mind. And uh, another thing I would ask of coordinators is um, ask the client before you reach out to us, ask the client what we've already talked through with them, what we've already provided to them. Uh, I call it the Tuesday freak out. We so often have done hours of consultation with a client um given them a very detailed checklist answered all of their questions gone through a to z all of the regulations what to expect all of these things uh and then we hear from a coordinator the tuesday before their saturday wedding and i call it the tuesday freakout. i realize that's a a slight so i'm sorry uh, if anybody finds that offensive but uh we so often get these emails um from uh coordinators that are asking us to go over everything from start to finish uh, just a few days before the event, before the wedding, before the corporate event, before the festival. Um, And I, I have to tell them, you know, one of the first things I say is what has the client provided to you already and gone over and they go, Oh, I don't have any of that information. Well, you know, it's, it's ask the client first and see what we've already gone over. Cause I promise you after seven years of doing this, I've answered those questions. I know what they're going to ask. I know what they n- need to know. Um, so just uh, trust our experience a little bit and communicate with your client and see what we may have already uh, provided them as far as information. Those would be my 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 main takeaways for sure.
0: As soon as you said Tuesday Freakout, I was like, I, I know what he's going to say. <laughs> so, but that was, a, it was a, honestly a true reminder. You're really bringing it because that's true. <laughs> You're not wrong. So thank you for that um those are some really great tips and then also as we're thinking through um things that event planners or people involved in events should know what are some common mistakes that you see people make when it comes to drinks
1: maybe the first one would be and i'm sorry to be so negative i hope these are helpful they're just helpful criticisms uh let me yeah so let me back up and say that 98% 98% of all the coordinators and event planners that we work with are wonderful people. Um, you can always tell who when you're going to have a great day when you meet the coordinator for the first time and they're wearing Nikes. I know they're going to be great. Um, if they're wearing high heels, I got I to gotta ask questions. Uh, but if they're rocking Nikes and ready to rock and roll, I know that we're going to have a good day. Um, first off, uh, communicate. Trust us. I'll give you that when when we get on site, uh, myself or my employees, uh, we give ourselves lots of time, far more than the industry standard. Um, You know, for example, for weddings, we show up two hours before the ceremony, which gives us about two and a half hours of setup. Um, I will give you that five or 10 minutes when I arrive. I'm going to introduce you to myself first. Uh, I'll give you that five minutes. Tell me what's up. Like, you want to you chat a little bit? Do you want to talk through anything? Let's do it. Let's let's start off on the right foot. So um, first off, just you know, let's meet uh, as soon as I get there, and let's just go over it and you know get a get a good vibe going. Uh, that's always good. Um, again, to to throw it back, you know, know that we are obligated by very 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 strict uh, uh, state regulations as far as alcohol service also know that um you know we do this delicate dance in what we do whereas you know we work for the client we're contracted by the client but it that's just one part of a matrix uh we are working with venue owners we are working with your coordinator we're working with djs we're working with the caterers we're working with the florist we're working with you know your friends and family who are asking us questions so uh, I guess what I'm saying there is just also know that there is other relationships that we have to worry about, you know, so, um, you know, especially if you're asking us to do something that's not normal or not in our contract or something like that, just know that, you know, we are the the relationship that we have with venue owners is probably the most important uh, for business and just for uh, go along, get along, uh, kind of uh, relationship. So just know that um, that we are under um, a strict set of rules, not just from from laws, but also perhaps venue owners and other things. Uh, so just, um, I guess my my main point would be: ask questions. If you're unsure, ask me questions. Hey, can we can we do this? Can we do that? Please don't start ordering. Um, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Please don't start changing the timeline. Please don't, um, you know, kind of tell us that we're going to be set up in a different area than we described or that we're going to use different equipment than we described or something like that. Come at me with questions. And I promise you, I promise you, we'll answer them and and we'll get it done. So ask questions, I think, is a is a great takeaway from that question.
2: Yeah, we love we're a big fan of questions here on the podcast, and I feel like both of us as planners do do love being the queen of questions at times. But I feel like one question for you, Neil, I was like, can you ever have too much ice?
1: Oh my Lord, what a fantastic question. So we do, um, uh, especially with wedding clients, but with every client, we do a detailed uh, menu consultation. That is always done with me personally. I do not farm that out to any employees um, because I know that I'm capable of uh, answering questions. I've been doing this for seven years. I know what you're gonna ask. I know what I need to go over. Um, No, there's no such thing as two things, water and ice. Um, especially, you know, so like I said, we do a delicate dance. We don't provide, um, when you book with us, we provide the expertise, consultation, uh, customer service, uh, equipment and materials and every and insurance and things like that. We do not provide the consumables in our booking price. And that's because when you book us, I have no idea what we're serving. So I can't give you a price on it. Um, we do that after the consultation. Um, So we do this delicate dance where we create uh, a very detailed checklist for the client with recommended quantities on everything. Very itemized, very thorough. It's three pages at least. Um, And it's got all of our recommendations for everything on there. Now, I'd say about 90% of clients have us provide the ice. Uh, we buy it wholesale. It's just it's not something you want to mess with. Then you got to bring coolers at 9 a.m. when you're showing up to the site. Corporate clients are usually really good about getting stuff like Instacarted. Um, but with uh, wedding venues, especially in Washington and Oregon, where so many of these wedding venues are very rural uh, and just far away from any chef's store or something like that, uh, most uh, clients will have us provide the ice. Um, And I can't tell you uh, how nervous I get when the client says that they will provide the ice because what happens is uncle Jack shows up, we've recommended 400 pounds. He shows up with 70 uh, and he says something like 400 pounds. That sounds crazy. It's not, it's a six hour wedding. There's no shade. Uh, If you would like cold drinks and want all those cocktails, I would highly recommend not skimping on this part. Skimp on the cupcakes, don't skimp on the ice or the water.
0: Do you feel? Uh, do you feel passionately about this? I just, I can't tell. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> well, the
1: water, I, I will say. So you know, we we talk through the client, and we start with we do cocktail or beer, beer, then wine, then spirits and cocktails, and then I go into non alcoholic beverages. And the first thing I say, and that's why I love Logan's uh, question there, is there's no such thing as too much water. And please, 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 it's in the contract. And I'm going to tell you again, please do not rely on us for water, please. We we have water dispensers and cups. We provide that as a courtesy in our booking price. Um, That's mostly just for, you know, humanity Um, and also, you know, for insurance purposes. That way, if something goes wrong, we say like, hey, there was water there the entire time. We encourage guests to drink it. Um, this also applies to venue owners. This is good overlap. Um, so many venue owners, uh, especially uh, out here in Washington and Oregon, are it's very often retired couples that have these great acreages, these amazing estates, and they are retired or semi-retired and decide to um, put in some capital and some resources and build a wedding venue and get into that. I think that's fantastic. What a way to stay busy. Um, and still enjoy these amazing properties that are around here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, However, is there water? Is it from a well that smells like eggs? Is is it known, can clients access this water? Um, Weddings are in the summer, guys. Uh, Is there water available there? Uh, So that's a great overlap between the client and the venue owners is two things to think about are electricity and water uh, for sure. So, yes, very passionate about it. Um, and I'll tell you why. A couple of years ago, I had this uh, wedding where I'll never forget it. It was 10 p.m. I think the ceremony was at like 3.30. So they had been boozing. Um, and of course, uh, you know, this was a bridesmaid. And of course, so they had been, you know, drinking champagne in the morning. I don't think that's weird. Uh, go for it. She came up to me at 10 p.m. as we were wrapping up. And this was a summer outdoor wedding and said, hey, is there water available here? And I said, excuse me. And she goes, is there water here at this wedding? And I said, have you not had any water this entire day? She goes, no, I think I should drink some. I said, I think you should. So that's why it's important.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you delivered exactly how I how I hoped, Neil, because that is something that as a planner that I've I've done some DIY stuff that I'm like, they never remember ice and they never remember enough of it. And I I used to work in, in China doing events and I joke I had a guy saved in my phone as Iceman and he was my guy that I could call him. Within 15 minutes, he'd ride up on a scooter with as many bags of ice as he could fit on a scooter. And the number of times I called him in a pickle, corporate, private, didn't matter. I was like, we always almost always underestimated the amount of ice you needed. So. Just so that alone, that's a great valuable service to tell someone exactly how many pounds they need to keep things cold. Uh, How I think an interesting part, too, that we've seen in the industry, and this might have been happening earlier, but I feel like I've just clocked it more in the in the last few years is about mocktails and having more creative kind of non-alcoholic drinks. Um, How do you see those mocktails and non-alcoholic beverages kind of playing a part in events in the next year or so or in the future?
1: Only growth. Um, so I, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic myself. Um, I really, really, really enjoy. It's not like I, I almost just said I really enjoy when I go to a party and there's non-alcoholic beverages available. I don't think I've been to a party in like five years. Uh, so it's just, just me and my cat um, and 15 hour days back to back to back. Um, yes. So uh, that kind of overlaps in two ways. One, just generally, Um, it's, it's such a dumb term that the media coined, but it's, it's true and it applies. So there's the sober curious, um, you know, the people that, you know, listen to the, the Huberman and the Rogans of the world and go like, Hey, I think I'm going to, you know, do sober October or stuff like that. Cool. Great. Good for you. You want to talk about sobriety? We'll talk about it all afternoon, my friend. Um, but, uh, so you have that and then also we do a lot of corporate events um especially here in seattle and in portland and what are seattle and portland known for very multicultural diverse workforces uh specifically lots of indians and lots of people from asian countries where uh Drinking among, I've noticed, especially for demographic wise, especially among women, um, professional women and things like that, um, drinking is either just not a big part of their lifestyle and or uh, they, it, it, they don't want to do it at work in front of their colleagues. Um, so it's a great overlap between the bros that are doing the sober October or the designated drivers, because, again, we work at all these rural venues all the time, which is which is great. I got stories about that. And, uh, and the, um, and the corporate events wherein, you know, there's a lot of cultural, not just the office cultural, but international cultures as well that just, uh, it's just not, they're just not going to get lit up at an office Christmas party. It's just not their thing. So we are getting asked all the time to be inventive with mocktails. Uh, and I've been a big fan. I take all my employees to the Tales of the Cocktail Festival in New Orleans every year. And uh, last year when we went, I was incredibly impressed. I don't know if I can name drop here, uh, but Liars L-Y-R-E, Lyres, uh, they, make, they specialize in canned non-alcoholic beverages. So I have really upped my recommendation Uh, for those to clients. They're fantastic. You can get a bitters and soda, a non-alcoholic margarita. You got something in your hand. You're not missing out from the socializing. You can be at the bar. You can be where everybody's drinking, not feel weird. Um, You know, five years ago, people would ask us just to put an ice water in a cup with a lime. So people thought that they were drinking a vodka soda, which is weird. Why do we do that as people? Uh, But uh, now there's these great um, pre-canned and pre-bottled options, uh, that we're really starting to, um, uh, see a, a big uptick in. So, uh, to answer your question, uh, only growth, I, I, I see no reason why it wouldn't just continue to grow.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And when you, when we're talking about the future of events, like we kind of are right now, what else excites you? Just, you've seen so many events from a different perspective. So what excites you most about the future of events in general?
1: Uh, I would say, you know, uh, especially operating in two states that were perhaps the most restrictive uh, during COVID, Um, literally just watching all our businesses go up in flames overnight, Um, losing out on two summer wedding seasons, really. Um, You know, 2021 was a, a little wild. There was a lot of People starting to say the hell with this and, and throw their weddings anyway. Um, but uh, if you'll recall, the Washington COVID restrictions didn't really lift uh, that much uh, through 2021. So um, the uh, to answer your question, the events themselves, they're back. Never, ever, ever forget what we went through. All of those uh, from everyone, performers, roadies, um, stand-up comics, weddings, wedding vendors, uh, corporate events, music festivals, all of these things um, in so many places in America and around the world, we just weren't allowed to have at all. Um, So I I tell people, don't forget, you know, don't don't ever forget. Um, Just the fact that you can have 50 people in a room now uh, and be able to understand what they're saying, uh, where they can drink cocktails, eat food and have a good time that's what makes me happy is it's just humans uh, being humans and enjoying something uh, together.
2: We're certainly happy to be back and, and getting to do, we still do a little virtual, but I'm like, it's, it's good to be in a room with people. But Neil, as we, as we kind of get close to the end, we've loved this conversation with you, but is there anything else you want to add about bartending at events that you think our listeners need to know?
1: Yeah. Let me finish with this story. Um, let me say, I even wrote this down because it's my favorite story to everyone. Corporate events, planners, brides, grooms, wedding vendors, venue owners, everyone involved in events. Hey, I'm going to say it real like that radio voice. Something's going to go wrong. Don't worry about it. It's reaction. Just react to it well. The best story to end with on that note is about three years ago, I was at Black Diamond Gardens, one of the best venues in Washington State, I was, the fridge that they have was behind me. I was loading up things into that fridge, got distracted, had to take a phone call real quick, like outside, come back, get in the exact same position. And as I go to load a beer in the fridge, I felt this wetness. And it, it took me about two seconds of standing just like this and realized that I just put my hand through their wedding cake. They had loaded it into the fridge while I was outside. So it's an hour before the ceremony. The only person near me is the grandmother. So I am starting to, everything is going through my mind. I just ruined a wedding. I'm probably out a couple of grand. Everyone's going to hate me. They're going to blanket my company with bad social media reviews. This, this, what, uh, the venue owner is never going to allow me back in this place, right? So welling up with tears, I walk up to the grandma. And I say, I'll never forget it. I say, listen, the money, the everything else, we can talk about that afterwards. I'll give you all the time that you need. But I just put my hand through the wedding cake and I wanna know how I can help, what you'd like to do with it. And this woman didn't skip a beat. She goes, oh my God, we're gonna cut that thing up and eat it anyway, who cares? She went and got some baby's breath from the florist duck it on the back of the case. She goes, there, who cares? And I gave her a big old hug. And I will never, ever, ever forget that story. As long as I live, um, that woman was an absolute saint. Something's going to go wrong. It's how you react to it.
0: Honestly, that is just peak advice. It's amazing. And we always say like calm is contagious and it is so true about the reactions. And we as event pros have a lot of control over that. So What a good story. I think that one's going to stick with me. So thank you so much for for that one. And um, before we do end, we've learned so much from you today. Where can listeners find you if they want to follow along with you or with your company? Where can they reach out?
1: Yeah. So our main, our umbrella company is City Cocktails. We're kind of still working on that. Um, We're going to, you know, my eventual... Uh, expansion hopefully is going to go coast to coast and we name our brands after the city nicknames. So Emerald City Cocktails, Rose City Cocktails, Tree City Cocktails, stuff like that. Um, we do most of our we, the Royal We, I, do most of our social media stuff uh, via M City Cocktails on Instagram. Um, that's a great way to keep track. I'm always putting fun stuff on there because events are fun. Um, if you want to know about the specifically the Seattle cocktail scene. I wrote a book last year called Seattle Cocktails for HarperCollins. It's got the uh, background of all the the big names in the cocktail scene out here. And they were, after I wrote that book, um, I took, uh, I think I slept for two weeks and I swore I'd never write another book. And maybe a month later, HarperCollins called me up and said, hey, can you write another one? That's gonna be three times as long. And I said, let's do it. Um, So I have a, a new book coming out Um, hopefully later this year, maybe early next year, that's called Drink the Pacific Northwest, where I interview and talk to alcohol producers from uh, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and uh, Vancouver, B.C., uh, and I, we are in the editing phase now. I am extremely proud of this book. Uh, it took me months and months and months to complete. I met some amazing people. Um, and let me first just say that they pay me a flat rate. So I don't make royalties on this. So buy the book. Don't. Check it out from the library. I don't care. Um, but uh, look out for Drink the Pacific Northwest from HarperCollins this year. Um, I think you'll really, really, really enjoy it. There's a lot of cool people doing very cool things out here.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Neil. We appreciate you taking the time.
1: You're so welcome. Thank you, Logan and Mary, for having me on. I really appreciate it. First podcast.
2: Ooh, you crushed it. <laughs> Thank you. And Mary, I have the bonus tip this week, so I'm just going to jump right into it. It doesn't have anything to do really with what Neil was saying, but hopefully you wrote, t- took some notes, listeners. But um, my bonus tip is at your registration for your next event, if you are printing name badges, you might have a printer handy. Make sure you don't forget regular white printer paper. I think you're going to need it for last minute signage for event docs. I had it recently where I had to print shipping labels for vendors who needed to ship things home with them. And I just feel like I always remember the special paper or the stickers I need for the name tags, but I have multiple times now been like, Ooh, if only I had some white printer paper. So don't forget it. I love it. Important. Always important. Great bonus tip. And thank you everybody for
0: listening to another episode of the Better Events Podcast today. If you'd like to follow us, you can on most social media platforms at Better Events Pod. You can email us at bettereventspod at gmail.com. You can visit our website at bettereventspod.com. And you can also connect with us on LinkedIn directly. For Logan and I, we'd love to see you all coming through our connection. So please do that. And thank you so much again for listening to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. And we will be back with you again next Wednesday.